good, y'all? It's your boy C Row Money Money. That's C.R.O. Double Dollar Sign, host of the Nerding with Friends podcast. I'm joined tonight with my co-host, Codename Comic. Salutations, my fellow blurred nerds and peaceful herds. What's going on? It's your boy Codename Comic. And we are also joined tonight by the man, the myth, the legend, our dog from the Trail Five, K. Mitch. Holla at the people. Shout out to my nigga Mitch. What's good, y'all? This is number three, my third time uh, guest appearing on the Nerding with Friends podcast. It feels like I'm a regular. God damn it, three times. Hey, three P, C three. So, so what's up, fellas? Yeah, I mean, I know y'all brought me on for an important topic. Or at least I think <laughs> it's important. You know what I mean? Let, let's it, get down to the fun. Man. It's, it's, it's groundbreaking. You know, we're three seasons in. I'd like to say thank you to all the regular listeners. Thank you for any new listeners. Um, all friends are welcome here at the Nerd and Your Friends podcast. Um, a nerd is an enthusiast. We are enthusiasts about many different things. This is our first music episode, so you know I had to get K. Mitch on here, if you wouldn't mind, you know, reminding the people of your music background and the repertoire and resume you built for yourself. Oh, I appreciate the introduction. So I sounded off like every SoundCloud rapper, writing some rhymes <laughs> on the notebook. <laughs> But uh, to get right to business, man, in my adult life, I, I got my footing involved in radio and other forms of media, but particularly radio. I uh, went on to become a, a college station manager for the local radio station, segue that to uh, working for iHeartRadio. And then I can honestly say I, I spent the first half of my professional career uh, in an involving radio. So, um been able to interact with a lot of artists, been able to put together some concerts, some like some festivals, some little things of my own, uh, working with talent that standpoint. And also getting an ear to what's spinning, you know, what uh, labels are paying for uh, spin buys, like what type of music is, is playing, what's hot, what's not. So I like to think I, I have a pretty good ear and, and uh, I don't necessarily listen to music as a creator. I listen to music as a consumer so I can provide feedback to whoever I'm working with as a, hey, listen, as a consumer, this is what I want, you know? So I, I like no ego involved with my critiques or my evaluations of music. I just try to listen to it like you are, you know, just like a normal person. Absolutely. But basically what the man well, saying is he knows music. <laughs> so... For today's episode, we're going to take a trip down memory lane. We've had, I've had this discussion with K. Mitch plenty of times. We, we've had some great music in our time from the early 90s, pretty much up until now, you know, not what it used to be, but, you know, we, we've had a lot of good runs of a lot of bangers, a lot of hits. And today we're gonna, you know, scratch that nostalgia itch and we're gonna take it way, way back and pretty much create a sort of a playlist from the summer of 2010 when, you know, people were finding out what college they were going to. We all went to FAU, shout out to them owls at Florida Atlantic. 
By people, he mean us. We're some old farts on this uh, call right now. <laughs> we started college uh, in 2010, so we were the ones uh, figuring out at that time in our life. So, yeah, if you want to put some math together, we're roughly 18 years old at that time. And um, we're some old heads, you know. Uh, when we went to school, we ain't had no stadium. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You young bucks don't know what it's like to have no stadium. Do you know what the gonk is, son? You ever uh, know what the whole <laughs> looks like? Come on. You never been to the Glock. Yo, you know, uh, Dom, the gonk has been gentrified. They put some uh, some new high-end stuff. Oh, I didn't hear it. They, they tore that bit down. Yeah, that's, that's something that's gone, son. I will say this, though. I love and enjoy my time in undergrad. I will forever be an FAU owl, but uh, did my grad school at the University of Miami, Kings for Life. I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> don't want to don't want to sever any ties with anyone here. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's going to be today's episode. We're going to start off during that glorious time of spring, summer, Around, you know, anywhere between March and May, people were kind of finding out where they were getting into. I think I found out at the right about the beginning of March. What about you guys? Um, Yeah, I think my one might have been around the same time. Uh, yeah, I think I'm thinking it's around like spring break, maybe like end of April, somewhere around then. Um, I know it was a little bit later on than most <laughs> Grades weren't that great coming out of the private school. <sighs> oh, you wanted them uh, private school babies. Damn, I hey, forgot. I had to do what I had to do to get up out of this hood. You know what I'm saying? You know hey, what I'm I know saying? what you're saying, big dog. I know what you're saying. <laughs> but uh, like you, Dom, I did not find out that I got accepted into FAU until mid-end of April. But it was definitely after March. I won't say, like, I was approaching the 11th hour in terms of a decision from FAU, but, like, we were getting there, damn it. It was to a point <laughs> where, like, they were going to be considered, and then the offer that came in, and then we know what the history shows. So I'm with you. I was a little uh, deferred, baby. Oh, yeah, man. You definitely got to that point where uh, if I had not made a decision, I don't know if a decision could have been made. So, <laughs> Well... I guess I, I got the news early. I know um, a story for another time would just kind of be how me and me and Codename ended up being roommates because we were some of the last people to figure out housing. So oh, yeah, <laughs> that's just a lot. I, I got in. Um, I got my acceptance letter before them, but came in definitely got his housing figured out before I did. When did you get yours figured out? Um. Ooh, June, July. Yeah, <laughs> felt like a last, last, last line of defense type. It, shit. Was, definitely, it was definitely <laughs> at the last hour. Like, damn, where the hell am I gonna live? Yeah, something I didn't really consider. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what my plan was. Honestly, your, your boys I, was definitely finna been out on the tent in a little. <laughs> I really can't remember what that process was like for me, but I don't know if like. All of us were late. Oh, is that the norm? Because I kind of feel like I had mine figured out around then and there too, bro. 
not to say I was burning the midnight oil, like, oh, shit, I don't know where I'm going to stay. But at that time, just to add a little context, I was really experiencing this whole process virtually on my own, right? Mm-hmm. And then the adults that who wanted to God to help me through this process, this was foreign to them. They've never uh, experienced this. They don't know what that situation was like. So, you know, maybe I myself, out of naiveness, didn't know it was to the last hour. I was like, okay, well, we got to get this done. I'm going to do what I can to get this done. Next time I'm going to come back here, I'm going to have this done so we can get the process moving. Uh, I'm pretty sure there were hard deadlines. I just really can't remember right now. Yeah, I did. Every, everything was crazy for me. I actually signed up for my first classes over the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's how Damn. bad it was for me. Did, did, did you, did you uh, fax your W-2 or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to um, send my transcripts by a carrier pigeon. <laughs> I hope that been made it. But K-Mitch, what's you, up, you, player? You already kind of gave us the type of mindset you were into at the time. What were you listening to that summer that got you prepared to don the blue and re- the red, white, and blue at FAU? Okay, all right, all right. So at that time, my musical interest, and, and granted. I like to consider myself as an individual that was always eclectic. You know, I will listen to a lot of stuff, at least give it a try, even if I don't like it. But my sound, what I was listening to was R&B and gangster rap. And at that time, I'll call a spade a spade. I wasn't handling a breakup with one of my exes too good. And so I was listening to Drake. Ooh. At that point, Ooh. I thought Drake was an R&B rapper. Yeah, he had some some like some rap, some bars and shit during that time. But I really tuned into his R&B stuff. So I was trying to find her love, trying trying to find her heart. You know, trying to just really be like some <laughs> thank, thank me later, lover boy to a, to a shorty that didn't deserve it. I ain't going to call it the B-Works. I still got respect for all my exes. You know what I'm saying? But I was being a sucker trying to, you know, appease her. So in between being in my feelings, listening to some H-Town, Key Sweat, when I'm in the moment, it was plies, bro. It was Rick Ross. It was Trick Daddy still. It was sort of like that Southern rap scene. Yeah, we listened to Boosie, Webby, Jeezy, Gucci, that was my my musical palette during that time, man. What mm. about you, bro? Man, you mentioned Jeezy, and so you know, one was it was the one hundred and three that dropped that summer. I think it was one hundred and three. Yeah, man. I just I think about that song he had with Plies. Oh yeah, skip and. Come on, what was the name of the song? Lost My Mind. Lost, oh, thank lose you. My Mind. Thank you, Lose My Mind. And then at the BET Awards that year, when he was performing it, and, you know, you just talked so much about Drake, he came out and did his little verse. Hit him with that, oh, do I love these hoes? 
Kind of, sort of. Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> you know, it, I was like, all right, lover boy, you you got a little, you got a little pimp in you too. And and look at the longevity he sustained. He dropped his first album. You know, this this ain't OVO Drake no more. This this album, commercial Drake, and to this day he's still around spitting. You know, a lot of rappers that we're gonna mention on this list did not survive. The, the 10, 11 year gap. No. No. That was also a summer gangster rap R&B. I think about two artists in that. I think about Usher. You know, that There Goes My Baby. Um, hey, OMG <laughs> was a little banger too. I give him that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, Waka Flocka. That was, that was that was really his coming out party during that year, man. What everybody was that really Waka the summer Flocka. of Waka Flocka? That was the summer of Waka Flocka. Damn, man! Oh, let's do it. It was Waka Brick Squad. All of them. It was just bangers on bangers, mixtape and albums. Back when OJ wasn't just a drink full of coffee. <laughs> and then I think it was the summer before that, but it, it still made its way into the playlist for the summer. We got to talk about the GOAT of our era and Lil Wayne and um, No Ceilings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No ceilings might have came out the year before, but I would be remiss to leave it off this list because it definitely still got plays for me. Absolutely. And then I think, yes, it came out the year before, but it came out towards the fall of the summer. And it was in early 2009. I can attest that. Maybe it was spring, but it for sure wasn't winter 2009. And it wasn't just getting plays because it was nothing else, but... Hell, Lil Wayne re-released it on, on iTunes 10 years later for a reason. It just had that level of impact to where, like, if you're going somewhere, there's a function, no selling this plan, and you reciting that bitch ball for ball, word for word, whatever song that came on. Yeah. Killed, killed a lot of the other artists who were, you know, the original songs. You know, I think about Ice Cream Paint Job, Merc. Yeah. Um, I think another big artist that we're uh, we're kind of missing that really hit his mark in the 2010 era was Wiz. Wiz had just dropped um, Cushion Orange Juice back in you know spring of 2010, and that summer he was really starting to hit the scene as far as you know getting his tour on and stuff like that. I also believe that was around the time that we got a more of an introduction into Mac Miller and what they had going on. I don't think Kids had dropped just yet. I think Kids dropped actually at the beginning of um, our freshman year. But I think by that time he had, you know, dropped a couple of songs, maybe a single or two. So really that whole Pittsburgh, you know, smoker era has just started to like tap into, you know, their whole thing around that time too. Yeah. For me, shout out though. to Wiz and Mac. But I me personally, I didn't really listen to them until I got to FAU, like that first semester was like Oh, my weed smoking ass was already on it. <laughs> Yeah, code name. I'm I'm with Zero Money Money. 
That's C dot R O dollar sign dollar sign. Because yes, they were there, but I didn't catch that wave till later. So I am gonna mention them uh as we progress throughout this call today, but uh for sure not even on my radar. Nah, Some are going into FA. I will say this. Well, shit. I mean, the only I was, I was very turned. Song, <laughs> I was very turned. I that listened summer. to was he had this one joint with Soldier Boy called Inked Up and Tatted. Mm, and then okay. I would listen to that shit all the time and not put the correlation that, okay, this dude, Wiz Khalifa, has his own stand alone music career. I thought he was just a uh, a regular homeboy accessory to Soldier Boy at the time. I mean, I guess I'll say as the as, as the resident cloud puffer, then I, I would I can honestly say that uh, Cushion Orange Juice, though it may not be the uh, the thing that everyone listens to when they pumping iron, that was pumping through my ears the entire time I was working out. Uh, I, I guess it's only a no brainer what I turned out to be later on, but yeah, I think I was on Wiz a little bit early. Uh, another thing that's interesting about this is that we're all from three separate parts or all I feel like we all claim three separate parts of Florida. I'm in Central Florida. Dom's in Northern Florida and k spent the majority of his time in South Florida. So I feel like we also- our 95 babies, baby. <laughs> yeah. I think that might have something to do with it, too, because um also, that summer for me, I know, I don't know why he's so big in Florida, but the Joker was somebody who stayed in rotation for me no matter what. He My was. name is Joker. Hey, habitual <laughs> smoker. I think I heard so many trees that I got splinters in my toaster. In my bars, um, nigga. <laughs> we do it for fun part four or five by the time we started. But I don't understand how a lot of rappers, I don't understand how he did not make it. I don't know. Okay, Mitch, can you shed some light on me? Is there something I'm missing? Yes. Um, and honestly, most artists don't want to hear this, but this is just the unfortunate truth about the industry. There are so many beautiful sounds that we would never hear of. There's so many great artists that are producing great music that's just falling on deaf ears. Deaf ears meaning I'm not going to knock their own marketing, their own promotion, meaning that decision makers, people and labels aren't listening to their music. But unfortunately, unless you have a marketing budget to buy radio spins, or you can convince a label to get yourself on radio, it's going to be hard to break. And I know people will say, all right, you catch a gimmick, you catch a wave. Yes, that's how every great rapper gets on. But just like Courtney Comet alluded to, that dope rap, that, that Pittsburgh weed smoking scene, that was way been caught on. Using this as an example, that's that, that New school chopped and screwed with promethazine. That's the ASAP mob, ASAP Rocky wave. That shit caught on, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be a gimmick rapper trying to just create a wave to catch on because people will see right through you. And then if you just focus on the craft and you could be the greatest artist ever, but unless you have radio spins like that or like you're getting demands to 
headline shows, you, you just unfortunately won't become more than what the Joker was, a regional rapper. Mm. Shout out to Joker Too Cold. Still that nigga. Still make five music. Still got bars. Still turned up. And I, and I tell you this, though, too. Wiz Khalifa still makes music. Still dropping mixtapes. But he was getting radio spins in 2010 through 12. He ain't get those no more. And people think, all right, he, he can't fell off or he settled to the sunset. No, he's still recording. But unless you already a fan, you don't know about it because the marketing isn't getting the, the promoted social media posts or the video spins or the radio spins. So you, at this point, since the internet is, is established, it's kind of hard to make it. Mm. Because you think like, all right, it'll showcase my talent, which it does, but also showcase there's so many talented people on this planet. Absolutely. So many. You know, we happen to know a few. Shout out to Young and the SP. Um, shout out to my dog. You know, shout out to Johnny Oz, Touchdown Juice. You know. Shout out to my mans, man. We know some people out here. We got Timo Shout out Timo Fofo. Almost. Can't forget Timo Fofo. Yeah, man. Yeah, so during this summer, I spent a lot of time in three places. I was at my homeboy's house a lot. I was at the beach. And I was in a strip club. Oh, living. That's what they call that boy money. Hey, that's store for another day. But my time in the strip club got me familiar with one group and one artist who, you know, help make my day slash night whenever I was in there. And I'm going to give that to Roscoe Dash and Travis Porter. Shout out to them boys for making some excellent twerk music that carried over to that first year of college. Oh, man, it was very exhilarating, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) Had a lot of uh, new experiences, a lot of great new experiences. So uh, shout out to the boys. And you know one thing about Atlanta rap music? Those artists that really get spins like that, they either become a mainstay act, and we know who are like the dons of the Atlanta rap, so I'm not going to go through those guys. Or they have sort of like a one-hit wonder era, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, with Atlanta rap, if you needed that aggressive workout music, getting ready to play football, you had the Sean Paul, uh, Bone Crusher, Young Thugs. Uh, you had the Yin Yang Twins, right? That was that era. You had mm-hmm. the Crime Mob Nuck if you buck. That's that era. Now you have like the little mumble rap, singing rap, you know, with, Young Thug and all these other cats. And then, like you alluded to, you had the twerking rap with the Roscoe Dash, with the Travis Porter. And it wasn't just a one hit for them. It was just they had the era that 5, 10, 15 years from now, when we need a turn up, we're going to remember Roscoe Dash and Travis Porter. That's their era. 
Yeah, it's a it's an era of music that will, you know, forever bless the stages. To me, it's almost indicative of the 80s era when you had like your Uncle Luke's and your uh, Mm. 69 crew and stuff like that. You know, this is music that we're going to hear for the rest of our lives. You know, this is music that whenever there's a uh, big time party, family reunion, uh, class reunion, this is what's going to be playing on the DJ. You know, it's going to be spinning on the tables. And this is what the kind of music that, you know, when you hear it, everybody's going to run to the dance floor because it just is so much of a nostalgic uh, vibe to it. Um, It's music that, you know, breeds fun and excitement. It's uh, music that reminds you of the beach when you hear it. That boy said the beach. Yeah. It reminds me of something. And I feel like, you know, Travis Porter... What I really liked about them is that it was like, as crazy as this sounds, like pure. It was just three friends making making music, and it was, you know, I was with my friends, and I liked it. it was it, it was it was a good time. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't see too much like pureness in, in music like that. You know, like you see a yeah. lot of people doing it for the money and I feel like they might have you know been doing it for the fun and it didn't happen to work out they made the kind of music that you know it felt like you and your homeboys can make but they just happened to be around the right person who had the right mindset and putting them in front of somebody and they got big so I, I feel like without like people like Travis Porter you know you may not get like Amigos or something like that mm. yeah man that's a little gem right there yeah. So what else were y'all listening? Oh, Migos being from Atlanta, what else they what else were they listening to at that time? Of course they were listening to Travis Porter and them boys. See, that's a damn good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else were y'all listening to that summer? Or is it time to get into that first year? Let's see. Um I think we like we touched on it a little bit, but I was bopping a lot of big Sean back then, man. I think uh that was, I think that was finally famous two and finally famous, you know, number one. And, you know, him starting to really start putting his verses on, on the stuff. And uh, when I felt like when Big Sean hit the scene, he was barring motherfuckers up. So a lot of Big Sean, a lot of Sean Christopher. I don't know if a lot of people even know who that is, but uh, little, little silent gems. Um, I think Lupe has some shit dropped. Around that time too. I know Lupe definitely dropped some shit toward the end of uh, spring semester. The other one that show goes on came out. But I think that might be it for all the summer jammy jam jams. Definitely gonna have to go back if we remember anything. But let's move on into that first semester when we all became acquainted with each other. What were y'all listening to at the time? I was still listening to the Joker. I listened to the Joker. You know, my roommate used to tease me, and he didn't know who the Joker was. Shout out that boy, Eric. But That boy, Lamp? He is the one that really put me on to Matt Miller and Wiz Khalifa, and that became pretty much the smoking music for the semester. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, that was it, man. That was that was the summer of or the winter of kids, you know, uh, going back to I remember going back home and that was when my homeboys, and uh, my people's back home. had really found them connects. And all you heard on the radio was Mac Miller. Uh, when kids hit the scenes, it it really flooded the airways. I think he brought a sound that was much different than most people were looking for or expecting. I think he he's another one that has kind of like that pure vibe to him. Yeah. I really enjoyed like, you know, chilling out, vibing to his type of music. I didn't listen to a lot of chill vibe music until I got to college. A lot of my stuff was aggressive, you know, trap, gangster rap. And then I'm I'm in Boca. I don't know what it was. It's just a chill climate. So I yeah. I, I chilled out. It, it was you know, the perfect music for the time. I definitely want to say this too. Like I hear a lot of my story and everything C Road Money Money that C dot R O dollar sign dollar sign <laughs> is saying because I didn't get exposed to that type of music until that time of my life, right? That's mm-hmm. when sort of like I'm starting to expand and really go through a Mac Miller, a big Sean West Khalifa discovery. And I want to applaud you too, Codename Comet, because I know during a, a prep call, you know, you're a little, I won't say modest in terms of what you were going to speak about, but something that you highlighted to me. And I know for a fact that uh, Money Man Ross over here is thinking the same thing. You were advanced to where we were discovering music out in college. You were introducing us to the future musics that we listened to, artists that I became lifelong fans of. Like, I still listen to Wiz Khalifa's Discovery. That's why I can tell you he's still dropping music. God bless the dead. I listen to Mike Miller through and through, even his Larry Lovestein alter ego mixtapes. I listen to that. Like, you know, like, it was just aggressive and gangster rap. I wasn't necessarily on conscious rap. I wasn't on a lifestyle rap. And I think bigger than anything, that time in our life, just being young heads, 18 years old, being exposed to other sides of rap because the rap we knew was Southern rap. We didn't know that until Smoker's Rap really existed like that. We know of reggae, but no one talking our language looking like us, swagging out like us. We didn't know sort of like lifestyle, like partying, making money. That music can exist without shooting people. Right. And then Big Sean came into the picture. Right. <laughs> like, you, you know, another- give yourself flowers for, like, you know, broadening our music palette. I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, giving me respect for that. You know, I, I, I take it with, you know, the, the humblest, you know, gratitude uh, because it's something that, you know, it's something that I, you know, feel like I had to learn myself, you know, shout out to, you know, the kid, Jeremy Ryan, you know, out here doing big things in the music world. But, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, of my music taste and my, my music prowess, you know, it came from just like hanging out with uh, them, you know, hanging out with the homies and stuff like that. You know, we growing up in a, a city where the expectation is us as black men is that we're going to be thugs and, and criminals. And re- realistically, 
that kind of music, having Mac Miller, you know, the Big Sean's, the Sean Chris's, the J. Cole's, the, people, the, mm. the, the young Black kings that were doing things differently and showing us, you know, that we ain't got to be out in the streets to be, you know, victorious. We, we can stay inside and, you know, do something passionately, write something, draw something, create something, and you know, be something that is actually beneficial to the black culture and black community. And, you know, for me going down South is, it's, it's something that I felt like I had to emulate, you know, me, you know, so you think about freshman year, you know, a lot of this conversation is based around it. And when you spend your freshman year in college, one of the things you think about is, yo, I'm out, I'm out in the world on my own. I'm ready to decide what I'm going to be to the world. You know, how am I going to express my energy, you know, externally? And uh, having music like that was, for me, it, it was godsend. It was almost like the messengers that I needed to be on the path that would lead me to where I am today. Absolutely. And, you know, just to piggyback off of all that you just said, Codename, you, um, you, you also made, made it into um, rotation during that summer for me. I don't know if you remember you sent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I don't know if you remember that. Bounce that asshole. Shake that ass, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. If you, if you don't put, if you don't you put no what? clip, if you don't put no clip in this, <laughs> I gotta find it. Bro. Hey, that gotta be the going out song. To the <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yo, and that's how we ended this episode with that song, bro. Hey, uh, my dog said, I'm looking good. for a girl with a donkey booty make my eye twitch. I said, God damn. <laughs> God damn. Hey, hey, hey all, all I know is the boy Ben barred up. <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to get a visual of the type of ass he's talking about, think about that one SpongeBob meme where he's like biting his lip and he got his hand out in that slapping motion. <laughs> That's the type of movie dog talking about. Yeah. No bitch is so fat, you just want to smack that shit and oh. watch it jiggle. Hey, bro, if you've seen, uh, what's it called, El Dorado, you remember you remember, you remember Homegirl. That's the kind of ass I'm talking about. Oh, you talking about uh, Nani from goddamn Lilo and Stitch ass, huh? Yes, sir. Y'all motherfuckers talking about animated booties? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) Hey, we just nerding with friends, man. We just nerding with friends. One thing I I am going to say this, and one of my homies that I work with at the radio station, uh, he used to be my my senior engineer, stand-up guy. Hope his life's still going good. Me and him had this conversation about J. Cole because that's someone else that you brought up. And that was, again, a lifelong musical fan that I was really introduced to him because Jay-Z signed him. But I really started listening to him more on his own. And one commonality that the three of us have and that I believe every J. Cole fan has, you play ball? If you answered yes... You're a J. Cole fan. And, and think about how literal playing ball is. That could be football, basketball, baseball, 
if you play some type of team sport, you understood the hardships that he was talking about. Even if you couldn't relate in a reality standpoint, that's not necessarily your home upbringing. Them trials and tribulations, you, you feel that. That on top, you celebrate when you conquer, you feel that. When you need to have that talk that shit music because I'm getting it in and nobody ain't going to stop me, you'll feel that as an athlete. And I think all of us, too, because let's say this. All of us put on the past before. At one point in time in our lives, we all thought we were good enough to really make some money playing football. That's not the reality, right? But just during that journey of having sophomoric fantasies about a sport, coming to realization about said sport but still loving it, and then finding your own niche, finding your path to life, J. Cole made music for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's for the every man who was almost there. Adapt and survive. Oh, yeah. You, you hit it right on the head, bro. You know, there was, there, was, there was definitely, I think, a big conscience wave that hit around the time we got there. But I would be remiss to not mention Kanye West, who dropped, you know, Dark Twisted, uh, with the dark twisted fantasies. Oh yeah, yeah, that that masterpiece. You know, it's definitely a top three Kanye album. You know, death peak creativity, and then you look at the people he had on it: Ross, Nicki Minaj. That like screams that that time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It was a it was an album that really emitted the sound of. The- To be honest with y'all, I wasn't a huge Kanye fan at this point because I guess me just being a a casual Kanye, I was noticing a difference between late registration, college uh, dropout Kanye compared to this sound now. So to be the high road, if I can't say nothing positive, don't say nothing at all, I have nothing to say about Kanye West during this time. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can speak to that. I, I feel like this was a point where uh, Kanye's fandom was kind of, it was outlasting his classics. And as much as Kanye was being pushed out, now you're being introduced to a Kanye that had just created, you know, 808 said heartbreak. So he was kind of transitioning to more of what you would consider like the artistic Kanye. And uh, with my darkest twisted fantasy, it was a mixture of both. So for most, you know, you would be seeing Kanye all over the, the internet, all over the television, but this music didn't quite resonate with what the, the idea, what you probably believed him to look like. I think this was the last, I look at it as like his last album before the big, like drastic change. Cause yeah. Yeah. He had watched the throne with um, Jay-Z, but you know, cruel summer. That's when he started getting, you know, that, that was a, that was a good album too. Right. That wasn't just him. And yeah. I think like his next solo was Jesus, which was like completely off the wall from everything other thing else. So I look at 
I look at my beautiful dark twisted fantasies as kind of like the last like <clears throat> the last album in that college dropout era. Yeah, you can see there was somewhat of a shift, but it was still you know, he's always been a little experimental, but mm-hmm. after after Yeezus, it's been like it's been on a completely different level. I, I Childish Gambino is kind of going through the same thing in my in my in my opinion, where I think because the internet was his dark, beautiful, twisted reality to where these are like the last time where they're like rapping and making what you would call traditional hip hop music as yeah. opposed to complete, you know, this is the way I'm going to express myself. Well, that's something that every every uh, hip hop artist goes through. That motherfucker has some hits now. I'm power. Yeah. Blame game. Lost in the world. Monster. Yeah. All of the lights. Ooh, all of the lights was that banger. But mm-hmm. I would. I, I feel like at this point, because if timeline wise, if we're still on freshman year, so we're saying. Fall, winter 2010 to, excuse me, fall 2010 to winter 2010, 2011, and the spring, all of the lights was a little bit stale at that moment. I I, I just think, although we listened to that song, it was more so a 2009 track. Maybe I'm just speaking for me, but I'll tell you one thing, because you brought up Monster. At that point in time, there was no debate. Nicki Minaj was the baddest in the game. There oh was my no god, but she yeah. snapped on that bit too. Uh, oh my Sniggity god, snapped on that hoe. Yeah, and I, I didn't start listening to Nicki Minaj. Well, I started listening to her in like 2009, I believe it was, and I just remember like the Hirojuku Barbie stuff, and I was just like, man, this, this, I was, I was, I was. Some one of my female friends, I was just like, man, you finna just be listening to her. She finna be like the Joker. I had like, I I couldn't have been more wrong. Like that, that's crazy. To what like just like Drake, somebody who's like still been around, like to be around ten years in music. It's um, it's a tough bill. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Like uh, I also want to you know give a little credence to some of Kanye's business acumen, but him attaching, you know, the song Power to Saints Row 3 was fucking brilliant. Like, hearing that song, I only think about the intro to that song, to that game every single time. Like, playing that game will make you want to listen to that song, and the only way to find, if you can only find it through the album, you're going to play the album. Like, every time I think Saints Row 3, I think his song first. Man, I remember the very first Saints Row game. I didn't even know they made it to a third installment. That's crazy. I bet it was fun, though. Oh, bro, third one was the best. Looking back, another artist that I think really defined that semester, and he's been mentioned a few times, is Rick Ross. I feel like this this was the explosion. You know what I'm saying? Like, before, at this point, he's got, like, one or two albums under his belt, you know, 
the success is definitely there, but he he took off after this and he hasn't looked back since. Like, I think at this point you have to say he is the king of Florida when it comes to rap. No disrespect to Trick Daddy implies, but he dropped that um Damn. What was the song? Y'all know the song. Oh, I don't want Big Meech, right? Mm-hmm. Blow money fast. Blow yeah, money it fast. is. BMF. When that shit dropped, it was a game changer. Yeah. That was a game and changer. I too, at that time, Rap Beefs wasn't fictional. Yeah. He was the first rapper to beef, go to war with 50 Cent, and come out on the winning side. That's true. Everybody else that beef with 50 at that time, they mm-hmm. faded away. Or, or don't get me wrong, 50 had uh his homeboy Gunplay, the rapper, beat up. They had their squabbles, blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna sit here and say Rick Ross didn't take no no losses, but when it comes from to, a music aspect. From a music aspect, he won that battle and never looked back. I, I feel like the combination of that. That battle between Ross and 50 to follow that up with blowing money fast and then have mafia music and, and everything, man, everything around Rick Ross at that time. I always look at him being big because I'm a Miami guy. I'm being biased. But just to hearing how he exploded to a non-biased ear, that, that, that's kind of cool to hear. Yeah, I feel like those times kind of set the standard for what he's doing now. Oh, definitely. It's definitely, that's the first layer of built on the foundation he built up for himself. You know, Rick Rose been rapping for a while, but he didn't really get big until like 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah. And then he really cemented himself into in that 2010, 2011 era. And I also want to say this too. We saw... The- the downfall of Cash Money Records. Why? Because we saw that as height. To me, the height of Cash Money Records is when Wayne's still doing his thing, which we saw, and then Young Money had its own way. Like we, we already mentioned Drake. We already mentioned Nicki Minaj. They had the J the 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 J Rock singer dude. They had Lil Twist. Shout out to you know, yeah. When Young Money dropped that that uh album, and then everyone kind of dropped their individual shit to kind of show that they they only had so much going. And guess <laughs> what? That was the end because that was the last of the glory days. Yeah, Drake's still balling. Nicki's still balling. Wayne still has his credibility, but they were on top of the music game. Cash Money Records yeah. was on a downward trend. From that moment, I think the only thing that cat, that Young Money did was pull Jay Mills into something that he really didn't need to be. Because mm. he was fine. I feel like Jay Mills was up there with them, and then Young Money, kind of aligning himself with that, pulled him away. Hit him with the Lloyd with the Lloyd Banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, another another artist that was popping back then was Bob. Uh, I Man, feel like a lot of the I can't songs believe I left my dog off with the airplane. Yeah, like you talking about hearing someone all over the radio, even though he ain't really rapping that much now. Like he laid down so many tracks that go into ads and movies and just everything 
you know, that is just you you know he's just collecting checks right now. I definitely thought he was gonna last a little bit longer. I'm uh, yeah. I know strange clouds to something he made later, but I remember the airplanes and uh, you know don't let me fall. He had like a I put him and Drake kind of in like the same box at the time. Yeah. And there was just a part of me that was just like, you know, Drake going to go back to acting or something soon at some point. And, you know, B.O.B. got his stuff going on. You know, I wish him the best, but, you know, Drake definitely like, and I ain't no super fan or nothing, but it's like, I just can't, you can't deny what the, the product he puts out there. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that that's honestly my musical stance on Drake. Can't say I'm a fan of his music, but I can't deny the product. Like I can tap a Drake album on my song on my on my phone and be like, "Yo, shit's fire." Not a fan of Drake, but I can't deny how great his music is. Can't deny it. You're a fucking writer. Yeah. But anyway, we're gonna get right back to this trip down memory lane afterward from our sponsor. Welcome back to the Nerding with Friends podcast. It's your boy, Zero Money Money. I'm with Codename. We got K Mitch. We talking music from summer 2010 to summer 2011. And just the vibes, man. There's don't got to be like the music that came out, but the vibes were there. And if we're talking fall semester, I would like to point to all the parties that the Black Student Union put out that played so many classic jams, I cannot wait to play at barbecues and family reunions in the future. You know, we getting old and we planning family reunions. Oh, I'm going to have this playlist by the grill. But you know what? The music is worth it. If we had to go up listening to the Motown's greatest hits, they're going to hear about this Roscoe Dash and Mac Miller, goddammit, okay? Mm-hmm. You're you going to appreciate your history. I just mean even the 90s music that they played at those functions, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to say this, too, because you, you brought on something. It was more than actually the music. It was the time, the era. I kind of mm-hmm. want to say at that time, America was at the most... I don't want to say the word peace because there's injustice and foul acts happening everywhere. And there was I'm a not- there was a simplistic time to it. There right. was like things were chill to our knowledge. Like the not it, just not not just chill to our knowledge, but at this time we were also I, I think we were very hyper focused on like a lot of different a lot of positive shit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yes. Like, th- th- this is supposed to be, like, this great awakening for us. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of feel bad for kids nowadays that are, like, getting not wrapped up in, like, all this stuff that's going on. But, you know, a kid's got to be a kid at some point. And this was also, like, the, the last bit of time I really felt like a kid. I wasn't working. I was, you know living off graduation money, and then I was living off um, them, um, them refund checks. God, I miss them refund checks. Can they use a refund check right about now? <laughs> Come on now. But, you know, like, it was 
yeah, there were worries, there was concerns, but it was, you know, as long as I get this school work done, I pa- I get this passing grade on to the next one. I'm going to get this financial aid. I'm going to have a place to live. I'm straight. There's a party going on tonight. I can still make it. There's a movie coming out here. I can still go. Club night over here. We getting in half price. Let's get it. Like, I'm I'm glad that, you know, like, we, we there was definitely shit going on. At the end of this, Osama bin Laden got killed. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it, it was definitely some shit going on. But I just feel like we were too busy enjoying enjoying life. And I don't think there was a lot of that on social media back then, too. You know what I mean? Like that is very true. Like it, it's just it's just different before, you know, news feeds started piling up with all this crazy stuff going on. And now there's always something going on to slip you up. But yeah, when it comes to the info, the information highway, there's definitely wasn't nearly as much traffic as there is now. We didn't know um what was going on at what seemed like a moment's notice, nor did it seem like there's much happening. Mm. I will tell you, relax a bit. I will show you my biggest concern at the time. And it kind of segues back into the topic and it's the Illuminati. I don't know why I spent so much time looking into the Illuminati at this time. There was a lot because of research. Because you were black, and that's what they wanted you to say. <laughs> it was really um, codenamed Evil Cousin that put that <laughs> damn seed into my head. <laughs> that damn devil. That out of skip, man. West Side and we ride, we be clipping. Showing, me, showing me videos of Kanye West and um, who else? Uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce. Pretty, pretty much any and everybody was in the Illuminati. I think about people who came out with bangers. Basically, if you were a black artist with a popular song, you were in the Illuminati. Rihanna. What was the song she had at the time? Umbrella. Umbrella? Umbrella? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she had that for the white girls, that Disturbia. <laughs> was that she wasn't that rude boy too? Yeah. Hey, it might have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey listen. Hey, 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 come on now. Hey. Made me want to call my girl from some more rounds. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> man As I digress. But you know what's funny? So much misinformation. Because like you guys said, it was so true. Social media wasn't quite what it is right now. Hell, we had Twitter after dark and Twitter jail. Like, that doesn't even exist anymore, right? But with the limited information we did have, you had artists that's playing along with uh, the Illuminati myths because it's adding to their fame. It's putting more money in their pocket. More dudes doing these fucking YouTube videos. Did you see that? Play it mm-hmm. backwards. Double take eight times. Turn the light look off at in this, room and watch this. <laughs> if you look at it this way, you'll notice that if you rewind Jay-Z, the song right here, I forgot what Jay Z song it was, but it was like if you play the song backwards, 
It was like murder, murder, Jesus. And I was like, how the hell you regular ass niggas even play this song backwards? That's what I'm saying. Like, who's playing songs backwards just for fun and shit? Like, whose idea is that? Hey, y'all seen the actual movie Black Dynamite, right? Yeah. Do you know the scene in the in the diner when they made the the correlation between code name Kansas and the in the malt liquor giving dudes little dicks? <laughs> That's how those YouTube video was. See, look at the six minute and three second mark. What else happens at the six minute three second mark? This nineteen forty five their uh horror song. <laughs> oh, man. They it were was... reaching for everything to paint out a successful black man as a devil worshiper. Like you cannot be successful and love God in black. Like if you love God in black, you gotta be poor middle class. Michael, or you a devil worshiper. Michael Che did a real good segment on that on his show where he's gone like a um it's like the bachelorette or something, but it's basically he's got to kill one of his family members. He's trying to figure out which one it is. Now, like, why do you have to do this? Like, I'm black and I'm in an entertainer. I need to kill one of you so I can get a movie deal. <laughs> it's just funny. Y'all go check out Michael Che Matters on HBO Max. Yeah, sure. Oh, man. You know, Michael Shea, we could turn that into a shameless plug. I'll let your boys. Staying hydrated over here. What else were y'all listening to, man? I know this was a big, you know, kind of shift for me and Mitch going to that conscious rap. You know, a lot of Wiz, a lot of Mac. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't a fan of it at first, but it definitely grew on to me. And I'll I just throw more, one more out there. I know y'all were listening to. I feel like uh, one of y'all might be a bigger fan than me, but... Wale was another person who um, definitely made his mark at that time. Absolutely. And I sort of correlate at that time Wale with Rick Ross because he really debuted the MMG, made that music group in terms of a musical faction. And then that led to me going through the more about the mixtapes and the other projects Wale dropped and so on and so forth. Like, Hell, even Meek Mill just get introduced to the Rose Red, that remix. And, and hear these guys later with their staying power. And granted, you know, Wale had a deal with Jay-Z, so he was already established. But Meek Mill was one of those local mixtape rappers in his hood that, that caught the break that he was looking for. Rick Ross heard him and, and realized, all right, he's talented. And I do want to also say I was listening to Lloyd. Because at that time, mm. he had that lay ahead of my pillow joint. He just did the vocals to Bedrock. And then, you know, Lloyd had earlier success in the late 2000s. So I do feel like, granted, we're on the tail end of voice career. I was still listening to him. Still listening to a little bit of Pretty Ricky. You know mm. what I mean? Like, we were still making elite love, love making music at that time, man. You know, I can't name a single lyric and the song, but that Egyptian song was another one. That... Yon, 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 yon. <laughs> I, I don't know what that nigga was saying, but I vibed with it. That song was a vibe, too. That was yeah. uh, uh, around the time where I would say I kind of dug into more reggae-type music and stuff like that. Just, you know, 
see what else was out there, not just wanting to listen to just straight rap music or R&B, you know, starting to introduce myself into other types of music. That's awesome, man. Also, always good. But I will say this. It broadening my musical palette during that calendar year-to-year time, summer 2010 to summer 2011, mm-hmm. really laid the foundation for me to learn and discover like new musical acts because I can say that this episode laid that foundation for me, mm-hmm. but 2011, 2012, I, it, hell, even to 2013, I really started to discover new artists that I'm fans of to this day. We we can really? say we've seen the growth of future from Racks on Racks on Racks to who he is now. That I can personally so say I've seen the growth of the weekend, just being a fan of his when he was just a mixtape rapper. And I didn't know what the fuck he looked like because he always had a cover of a girl on his on his on his tracks, you know. Like uh I can sit here and say I listened to Don Kennedy. He really went down the the Wiz Khalifa discovery. Really went down the Big Sean discovery. Like this year, we're talking about laid the foundation to my musical taste now, and and that's so awesome. And like people always say, you know, college is about questioning your thought, broadening your horizon, and really elevating yourself. And I don't think that is just in a a necessary textbook standpoint because. We're all, at least I can say right now, me and C, C, Zero Money Money, we, we, we did that. We fulfilled that. We sort of challenged our musical ears. We broadened our horizon. We sort of became consumers of music that spring 2010, I'm, I would never listen to. But I, I jam that stuff to this day right now. Let me ask you about this. Um... Is there anyone, like any musical artist that surprised you as far as they did make it or didn't make it? Uh, hmm. Now, that's a good one, code name, And you really have to give me some time to think on this, but I would, I'll like, take time. To, I would like to give you both. Okay, cool. I, I could, uh... What? I can go if you if you're not ready. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Um, you kind of said it earlier um, with YC. I was not expecting Future to become the the name he is. Um, I remember listening to him. He was like doing features on the Joker's music. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know, like for him to get big and then like for there to be so many copies of him and the way his type of rap changed everything, uh, I, 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 I was shocked. And, you know, I, I don't think it was the best move for hip hop. I appreciate all the future memes, King of the Toxic Niggas, as I am a proud member of. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the person that I was surprised, I was surprised blew up person. I surprised, I guess, didn't stay along. I alluded to earlier, it'll probably be like a B.O.B. 
because, you know, like I said, I thought he was up there, you know, going shot for shot with Drake. And you see how Drake has persisted and, you know, B.O.B. think we live on a Frisbee. I don't... (laughs) Yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, The one rapper I'm honestly surprised to see was become famous is The Weeknd. And not because of his lyrics, because I would say this. I'm a fan of Mixtape Weekend. Like, I'm... I can recite his his music bar for bar, so that's not the point of I didn't think he was talented enough, but his music was provocative. It's about depressing, depressive shit, bad women, and and a lot of cocaine and pills and a whole bunch of drugs that I don't do. But he had a (laughs) unique sound. I think, like, there's no way a druggy alternative sound that is completely mirroring our generation would get Main Street accolades. And of course, he sort of had his transitional music when he transitioned to Mixtape Weekend to like the pop guy he is now. And I can't really say I listen to his new music or any of the pop stuff. But I think me listening to Weekend at 2010, I would not believe he would be a star because I didn't think he would sort of become a pop star. I thought I, I would think he would just stay in his sound. And someone that didn't blow up that I thought would, for that one, I still haven't given you an answer, but I will say this. This song came out a little bit later, but I thought Kurt Cobangs would have staying power after the drinking my cup song. And maybe th- this is the same as plug because I interviewed him before he blew up uh, in, in college radio. And that song, just like you talked about the Roscoe Dash and the Travis Porter having like the the turned up twerk music, he had that I'm trying to chill with a shorty vibe for that time. And I I thought he would be able to ride that wave. Yeah, we kind of missed a lot of that. You know, they don't make a lot of that chill music to, you know what I'm saying? Now nah, it's like, damn, I young boys don't know how to make love no more. Damn, I feel old. Like, <laughs> I'm a fuck this bitch and da 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 da. These, these young boys don't know how to make love no more. That's the problem. We out here making love. They don't know. They don't know about it. They don't know. Get it out your mind, cause it's jealousy. They don't know what I'm singing, and that's the problem. <laughs> and that's, that's the problem point. right there. That's a good point. We've we've definitely hit spring going into summer. And um, while we're moving all around, I just want to remind y'all that Lil Wayne was the, this was his peak. And Sorry for the Wait was a summer banger. It was the perfect, it, it was, no need to apologize for the weight, Wayne. It came at yeah, the right we, time. We, we, we <laughs> it came at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because it's, it's like we've gotten so many different stages of Wayne and we almost got 
three types of wings throughout freshman year because we've got we got a little bit of the rock star wing, we got a little bit of the rebirth of mixtape Wayne and we got some album Wayne as well and we know that mixtape Wayne and album Wayne are two different Waynes altogether but to see him also go through that phase or really start to come out of that phase where he's kind of trying more rock shit too um, it was kind of interesting dog I was so much of a fan of Wayne at that time I listened to him through his rock phase. I was like, fuck it. This this what we doing. <laughs> like that Hot Revolver song, the Prom Queen song. I'm thinking, all right, this what we doing. This is Let it. it rock. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Let It Rock. Good point, bro. Mm-hmm. Got that Madden music. All right. What was y'all's favorite song from that time what's one song that always makes you think back about you beginning your adult life my answer would be play your part from a Maybach music group like Ross uh, of course Meek Mill and uh, while it was on that track and I hate to say this because a lot of my memorable music is somehow one way or another attached to a female, whatever female I'm dealing with at that time. But, uh, yeah, man, just the bars, what they were saying, like, and I think just coming full circle with expectations and the reality of adult relationships, because there's no more adolescent, high school, teenage puppy love. This is real deal. Like, we're dealing with adult grown women that have their own aspirations and desires and they they want them whether you can provide it or not and then I just felt like that play your part track was sort of like that realization that yo we in the big leagues now we going to college in this rich ass city these beautiful ass girls see all this wealth and all these suckers and lames throwing their money around because they don't got no game but we got to compete and that's just the name of the business. And I, I felt like play your part just stuck with me because it sort of gave me that reality check that, hey, these girls out here getting what they want. So when you're dating, you set those expectations for what you want. Because best believe if you didn't fulfill and check their boxes, they wouldn't be entertaining you in the first place. So make sure they're checking your boxes, you know? Mm. Conan's probably listening to Boys the Man. Yeah, um, Mitch, you hit up on some good points um, about the song. It escapes me somewhat, but I do remember, you know, those guys getting together. And, you know, I, I wish I could remember more of the song to allude to it. But what what about you, Codename? What's your um what's your What's your what's your theme song for your your freshman year? You know, it's funny that K Mitch mentioned Boys and Men because I feel like I'm always listening to a little Boys and Men. But I felt like around the time, it, you know, it wasn't really much for me to get away from the ladies myself because uh, I, I was listening to that. You know, a whole lot of J Cole get away. I was trying to find me a little a little shorty to you know you know perk up one of these blue blue water beaches on and you know have me a little have me a little nice time. You know. 
it, for me, it was, I was all for the vibed out music. It was, um, I, I've always been someone who tries to find like that, that song that I can just listen to throughout, you know, life, almost like that theme song. And for me, that's kind of what it was, you know, listening to the warm up was was kind of it for me. And I know it was like that was like a it, it dropped like a year before, but I feel like J. Cole just kind of had the music for that that college, that that new college kid. Yeah, man, you, you hit on a good point. And if I could make the own rules and add an honorable mention, I would add Two Face by J. Cole. Because I think that song was a new age college student. We're happy, we're prideful, we, we have ambitions, we know we're going places, but we also know we're at the bottom of the pecking order in every aspect of life. Our opportunity for us was to pick ourselves up and just really grind and get it from the absolute bottom. And I feel like that two-faced highlighted that because it's just as much a bigger and passionate and, and sort of optimism that we were felt with. We didn't really in this in in this call today touch on the down parts, like the uncertainty, the sadness, the hungry nights, the sort of Saturday nights when you can't, you know, necessarily compete with the uh, with the trust fund boys, you know, because we're trying to get our shit squared away. And that's so talked about that. Like you could be prideful of in in full confidence in where your future's heading at, at one moment, but at the same moment, still be feel sad and and sort of non positive feelings because of your current situation. No matter what the future holds for you. You still know that you, you we have to deal with our reality while we get to where we wanted to get to. And I felt like that Two Face song by J. Cole really highlighted that. Yeah. Some good songs y'all got there, man. So, uh, any songs that y'all really were vibing with, heavy with that summer after, you know, the freshman years wrapped up? kind of back to you know not reality but it was like all right now it's time to get back to a different grind and make sure i do what i need to do these next two months so i can get back to where i needed to be mm-hmm. the kid frankie by wiz khalifa and dispensed by mac miller yeah and- Yes, that, those are really fun, party, uplifting songs that doesn't really resonate in terms of like that get out, go get it, shape something vibe. But those experiences that I can relate to those songs, Nights Out With Codename, Nights Out With You and just memories we had, I was motivated to get back to that. Like, I, I think I sort of internalized. You have to pay the price to have fun and to really enjoy these moments with our friends. Like, we have to handle our business during the day so we can experience that at night, you know? And just that positive vibe, just like that conscious lifestyle rap and just wanting to get to that point. Because for all of us, when we left school, we went back to the hood. We went Bro. back to that gangster rap, that that 
you know, dog eat dog mentality. And we all associated this newfound conscious rap, this newfound lifestyle rap with the change in environment, the change of lifestyle for us. And I, I needed that. I, I really needed that to really progress because y'all know me, man. I was, I ain't the same person I am now than I was back then. And I needed to keep exposing myself to anti-hood shit. Bruh, you know, and, and, I wanted to. I, I didn't. I wasn't trying to cut you off. Like you, you speak so eloquently. I had to let you continue. But I, I just felt like we were being. We've all been so disrespectful to one of the kings of one of our kings of rap this entire time because we have yet to mention him, and he's really the person I feel like kind of spoke our truth throughout this entire time, and that's Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar was really at his heyday. You know. You know. With uh, section, I'm pretty sure Section 80 uh, dropped shortly uh, at the beginning of 2011. But prior to that, you had overly dedicated in the Kendrick Lamar EP, and both of which had nothing but straight heat and heat in a way that he really had you thinking. Um, at least, at least for me, I, I believe those the the first two Kendrick Lamar. Um, mixtapes I feel like they were at the time I'm, and it might have even been like four at the time I remember there was a a, a few that you know kind of I, I can see see their the cover art but for me I really feel like that's what set me on the path and uh... shout out to the Black Hippie group if we're going to oh. mention that era, Kendrick, we definitely have to talk about Absol, Schoolboy Q, and J-Rock. Everything you said is true, and I'm, and I'm glad you, you checked me because I did not mention Kendrick and, and pretty much that whole wave. Uh, I'm a little upset at you now that you've been holding out because I didn't get introduced to Kendrick till drink, and you've been listening to this nigga this whole time. Should took your goddamn <laughs> headphones off sometimes. It was in the goddamn share. room. Goddamn <laughs> right. selfish You're ass right. nigga. And share. Selfish. My, my, Hogging my, all the good music. No kind. I take full responsibility. All the hog mog. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Lil B. You know, another person we didn't get to. I take Lil B over a lot of these new rappers, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. Definitely take a hit. I'll take Krayshawn over Lil B. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, oh man. Wow. <laughs> Not Krayshawn. I'll take, I'll take YC over, over Krayshawn. Yeah, boy, that's true. Who was the biggest but, um, hit wonder at that time? Uh, was it YC? Is it Krayshawn? <laughs> definitely Krayshawn. <laughs> definitely Krayshawn, because Iggy had at least like two to three tracks. Yeah. But mm-hmm. well, YC only had the one. What was the YC track? Rex. Rex on Rex on Rex. Oh, shit. Yeah. Future blew up off that. Yeah, yeah, man. He... <laughs> He hit that boy with the uh, shaking bait. <laughs> he did something. Probably joined the Illuminati is what it was. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sacrificed YC? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, shit. Man, this was fun. Definitely got to do more music episodes. More, yeah, more, 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 more shit to, you know, talk about, talk about our past. We've come a long way, you know, to be even able to sit here and do something like this, to, you know, have the time, the will, the, the, the fortitude. There you go. <laughs> that just the, just the overall demeanor presence, just, you know, it takes a lot to get out here and share your thoughts with people, no matter who is listening. You put someone on the internet, it's pretty much there forever. And never? Forever, ever. And one thing we, we have to say, too, um, that era was such a mixtape era, more predicated than albums to where yeah. Unless you really remember what you're looking for, or you're using other devices, you're not. We're not going to be able to sort of find the the, the tracks we talk about because they're all mixtapes. Mm-hmm. I remember waiting um, to download mixtapes as soon as they hit that piff. I was I, on I, that piff today. I remember. That, I remember smart. that wait. I remember that waiting period. You know, they don't make they don't make music like that no more. There's no, those, those are just different times. And that's I what made it great. That's why we had that's why oh, we're yeah. able to have moments like today. This was a little bit before uh the, the timestamps we're talking about. But let me give a shout out to Kid Cuddy, uh Molly Wowie, just to sample grind mode, I'm so high. And then have like a standalone track that's just good enough to live on its own. That's dope, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, speaking, speaking of which, like while we here, like Grimo, I'm so high, is still one of the most vibed out tracks like you'll ever hear. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard not to hear that song and not dance. Not vibe. I don't even know what you call it. It's just just the vibe takes over you. you know? Right. Good times, man. Uh, I look forward to revisiting this, talking about music in different times. We lived in some some great times. I would love to yeah. do a 90s, early 2000s hip hop because that was the peak of hip hop. Some people who we didn't talk about in this episode, unfortunately, I feel like that's where a lot of them kind of made their way out. You think about Ludacris, T.I., um, Fabulous, Trick Daddy. This was just, you know, they didn't make it to adulthood with us like we had growing up with them. And I feel like we took some of their old stuff and brought it with us. And I'd love to give them their flowers too, eventually. And let me also just throw in the the, the R&B. Cause mm-hmm. you're gonna do the hip hop. I gotta talk about the R&B because it was elite. Mm-hmm. We were the last generation to really grow up with elite R&B. We know how to court a woman. We know how to treat her good. <laughs> we, we know how to apologize when we've been cheating. 
I don't cheat. I'm part of the Faithful Black Men Association. But you get what I'm saying nonetheless. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Well, once again, thank you, K. Mitch, for joining us tonight. Man, thank y'all for having me, man. It's three seasons of Nerding with Friends. I've appeared three times, man. I, this is awesome, man. Like I'm, I'm enjoying the ride, fellas. Always happy to have you, brother. Always a pleasure. Now, until next time, it's been me, your boy C Bro Money Money. That's C dot R O double dollar sign. And me, your boy Codename Comet. Y'all have a great one. Hey, drop that code name comment. Shake that ass. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even gonna do the we out shit. That's how we ending that shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta play from the hook in your